Right, we're rolling. On this podcast, we'll be talking about different areas of business and all things marketing. My name is Dave Doyle. And I'm Dave Alton. This is Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Hey guys, thanks for joining us on another episode of Social Antics, another marketing podcast. You're joined by myself, Dave Doyle, and my co-host, Dave Watton. How's things, Dave? Surviving, barely. Barely? Yeah. Why, why barely surviving? They're at lockdown again, nothing going on anywhere in the world, everything has been bleak. Tell us something good, at least, because every time we start an episode, there's always a bit of a down and out. <sighs> it's Facebook right. dating, no? Not really, not it. Facebook dating, no, no, you see, Facebook dating is actually very, very helpful for me, because... Now, as opposed to people not going out with me, they have a legal obligation <laughs> not to come anywhere near me. So it's actually very helpful for the rest of the world. Facebook is doing a good favor. Oh, he's doing me a good, good, doing a good favor. In fairness, like so, no, of all the times the Facebook dating was to release in Ireland, <laughs> it's during a lockdown. Like, but anyway, success rate through the roof. <laughs> success rate through the roof. Yeah, no downloads. So for this week for news, I suppose something that's popped up uh, for me uh, would be Tesco are have drones. 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 They're now after operating. Well, they've set up in Galway of all places. Galway. They started with. What's wrong with Galway? What? Well, I suppose no big buildings. I'd say that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, all <laughs> teeny tiny. Teeny tiny. But no, they've set up with uh, Tesco and Ornmore. Ornmore. Yeah, Ornmore. Uh, and they've teamed up with a company called Mana on a trial basis for the next few months to basically see how it goes. Uh, customers can order deliveries through a dedicated website where there's about 700 products available and it's only basically small basket deliveries for the moment okay and what's the I suppose what's the fulfillment time how's it working what's the USB well, for the consumer apparently they're saying you can track it in real time but purchases delivered within 30 minutes to one hour of ordering like so it's pretty instant I mean it's not look it's not it's not bad in fairness um, it's pretty good but I mean like my See my issue with drones is that you you mentioned it there. They're never going to work in a big city. No, do you know what I mean you're not going to have a lot of drones flying around the place. And I suppose a lot of these companies, I believe anyway, just start getting into things like drones and start talking about artificial intelligence and all these big long well, we words. Had, we had Amazon talking about it. Like this, is the first company I've actually definitely probably in Ireland seen really kind of trying it anyway. I suppose. I'm trying it, but for me, it's just all kind of PR. We're cutting edge. We're delivering things via drone. Like I don't see the. I don't see the value in it as such. Like, I mean, I suppose if you take uh, fast fulfillment, one of the fastest fulfillment mechanisms at the moment is Deliveroo, for example, where you've got people on the ground and you can deliver. And I suppose I'm kind of maybe a bit surprised that they haven't branched into that small basket type environment um, to fulfill people's kind of groceries Delivery and stuff I like think that. a couple of places did try it out. You know, they're trying to even off licenses or delivering their you know bottles of wine or that's cans true. or whatever yeah, yeah, you know there's true. a few places trying it but there's no I suppose real maybe clothes or fashion retailers really training out at the moment yeah yeah which is strange but like the the no it's, it, look, it, look drones to me are again they're one of these things that everyone's been talking about them for years and years and years everything's going to be delivered by a drone I don't see any market penetration from Amazon and if Amazon aren't going to do it then I can absolutely assure you that Tesco aren't going to do it later I, I just don't see the I can see the labour cost saving in it um, obviously if everything's robotic you're not paying someone to, to do something but in terms of economies of scale you would want thousands of drones out there for this to make any sense whatsoever oh, it's not going to be a cheap thing to run they're saying that it'll be one they come out and said one Tesco employee will pack the stuff and the drone will have to be monitored and managed by a drone supervisor so you ha- <laughs> so you so you have a drone supervisor being paid to manage the drone. so the labor cost doesn't even exist then because the mm. drone supervisor is probably earning more than your average Deliveroo rider would probably. for each of the drops so I, I'm not again I think all of this is PR spin there is nothing going to come of this at all at least not in the next five years we'll keep an eye on it so Anton pop up this week for you Um, I suppose it's more of a, a call out more so than anything else um, a lot of people have been talking about it but Marcus Rashford who is a Man United uh, football player multi-millionaire um, celebrity 
kind of people that I wouldn't necessarily be kind of saying these guys are doing really really good stuff but in fairness to Marco Rashford he's doing very very good stuff in terms of looking for the UK government to offer uh, free school meals to kids and extend that to over the midterm as well from the stories that I've heard he grew up and oftentimes his family didn't have food so he was very very reliant on free meal school programs yeah. and things like that so I mean in fairness to him there's hundreds of businesses now after following him on social media and um, any business that tags him in say we're offering um, these meals to kids for, for nothing he's putting them up on his profile huge amount of engagement and traction happening at the moment I know he got an MBE a couple of um, a couple of weeks ago and I just think look again you said at the very very top of the program that we start off this programme really, really bleak and dour, but it's nice to see a bit of a ray of sunshine in amongst all of the job losses, businesses yeah. closing down, businesses story. struggling. A good news story. And it's great to see a guy who, young man himself, but obviously an idol to a lot of kids. And it's great to see him doing something so impactful. And again, like like I'd always be um, be very, very critical. A lot of things celebrities would do. So even like job people who do the hospital visits and stuff like that. A lot of that is, you know, the Just company there's saying, there's another moon, yeah. whereas this guy is going above and beyond on his own back based on something that is clearly very, very personal to him. And as far as, as far as I'm concerned, he's shown up the whole British government. It's basically a big fuck you to Boris Johnson and in a good way as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And as you said, you kind of mentioned there and you even said it when Tesco, like that a lot of these kind of things come out with PR stunts they will do a one-off kind of a, as you said, a visit or one-off donation or a charity event or something no, like that. No, this guy is relentless. Yeah. He's relentlessly pursuing this because it's so important to him. Yeah. And it, it, it's really, really admirable, admirable. And look, I know people will look, and I'm one of these people that look at everything, criticise people because, oh, well, of course, he's doing that because he's a millionaire and all this. But this is a huge amount of this man's time, reputation, um, doing a really, really, really good thing. And I think it's, I think it's great to see. Um, beyond that then I think and it's it's something that and I was thinking about this the other day when, when the Marcus Rashford stuff started really taking off on social media but there's a lot of businesses kind of struggling at the moment and I saw some stats on the um, on Sky News where it basically said that in the UK the Eat Out to Help Out scheme which the government had um, there was a 200% rise in people booking through a particular app via the study that was actually done and it showed that if there is some sort of a mechanism whereby people can contribute to local businesses, they do tend to take it if they if they at all possibly can. And I'm starting to kind of think that like these, call it a revolution, call it contributions, they're never going to come from institutions like government or anything like that because it all comes across very, very forced. So I'd love for some sort of a consumer-led revolution just to give back to a lot of the people in society who have done a lot of good work yeah. um over the since covid basically started so like what i thought it just popped into my head just a great idea so we all know with the hse or the nhs in the uk nurses doctors have been putting their lives on the line yeah. realistically since the, since the start of the pandemic working incredible hours um and for a lot of cases really really poor pay on the other side then you've got a lot of hospitality businesses um, who are losing money because people can't eat out. Um, and I think, wouldn't it be a great idea for everyone? And again, look, I know a lot of people have lost their jobs, um, but there's a lot of people as well who they're not eating out as much as they used to. So they have a few bob in their pocket. They're not buying lunch every time they go to work because they're they're working from home. So people who have a few extra, a few extra bob in their pocket, why don't you go out and buy buy a 50 euro voucher for somebody who you know who works in the NHS or works in the HSE you're doing something good for someone who has gone above and beyond for society for the last whatever it is seven months at this stage and then you're also contributing to your local economy as well for businesses that are really really struggling I think it'd be great for some sort of a, a campaign to emerge out of that well again consumer led campaign yeah. as well and a very just not similar to Joe Icebook a challenge or any of these kind of things just a very very simple thing yeah. that people could do 5, 10, 20 or whatever it is for a voucher for somewhere any businesses I suppose that even want to to promote maybe you know send us on if you have any deals that you can avail of or we can promote on our pages maybe send them on see what we can do to help yeah why don't we do why don't we start a campaign there you G- go. Gift, gift a voucher We'll come up with a hashtag. We'll come up, we'll come up, up with a we'll hashtag and we'll start this campaign. Right, we'll get that rolling. For, we'll get that rolling for the next couple of days. Um, good idea. Any any other news there popping up for you? Um, in terms of the only one that I saw now, which was again, it's 
we're just going from a really, really kind of happy motivational kind of here we go. <laughs> is uh, Caffeine Cafe Nero in the in the UK? Local, um, local brand. Local, local brand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they are looking to adopt an insolvency mechanism called the CVA, which is a company voluntary arrangement, which basically allows them to exit from loss making outlets. Um, okay. Now, what essentially this means is that the company itself they're looking is, for a ghetto clause. They're looking basically. for a ghetto clause, essentially. Like, and again, look, Cafe Nero. They would go into locations and do a huge amount of research on each location that they go into in terms of football. And those stats are now irrelevant. Do you know what I mean? Like if you had if you had um if you had a Cafe Nero position near, for example, a large office block, ninety percent of that office block is now working from home. So there's a there's a huge of um there's a huge amount of these retailers who are going to be looking for I suppose it's and it's not a bailout and I think this is what and I, I don't mean to use this phrase what I like about it but it's they're using the systems of the law to try and work with their landlords to get out of certain rental arrangements no longer work for their businesses and I think there's going to be a lot more of this coming down the track yeah. rather than bailouts because bailouts aren't going to work for, for all and, businesses and we will probably hear more from companies like this because the eyes are on these kind of businesses I suppose you know because they're big multinationals and they're you know national brands and all this kind of stuff so the news of this will probably break more but do you know it is tough for a lot of whether it is national brands or local brands yeah I'd expect look I'd expect look to, to I mean look the UK is a bit more open to be fair at the moment Ireland's in complete lockdown Um, there's not I like I mean you're coming into Christmas now at the moment and retailers if they go back to level 3 apparently can only have 15 people in outdoor seating now yeah, one exactly. a lot of retailers don't have outdoor seating and beyond that it's Ireland in December who's going to sell it who's going to sell it do you know what I mean so and again I know the government had a scheme there where I think it was a two and a half grand voucher or grant that you can get yeah. outdoor heating a lot, local, a lot more than two and a half a lot grand. of local councils put up for, for outdoor heating and stuff yeah. yeah. and even some are doing the initiatives because you can't even give someone you can't even give something simple you can't even give someone a blanket no because you know, of COVID because of COVID so there were a lot of restaurants for the last few weeks before the lockdown happened were doing a bring your own blanket piece they were hashtag or BYOB instead, instead of bring your own beer bring your own blanket <laughs> like you know desperate times <laughs> but oh, um, no like I think when you look at the likes of someone like Cafe Nero a lot of them kind of brands maybe you know there's probably obviously a big difference now between someone like Cafe Nero and, and Starbucks where there's They'd be lower level, not lower level, sorry, lower priced coffee. So there's obviously a lot less margins in it. So obviously they're they're making even less. Than yeah, like, yeah. Like I mean, business models have gone out the window. Like I mean, if you're high high margin, but you're you're low volume versus all of those mechanics and metrics go out the, they go yeah. out the window in the COVID world. So um, no, look again, it's it's. I think it's going to be um, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, in terms of the way the market's going, but um, but yeah, no, it is um, it is uh, it is not an easy world to do business in at the moment. Well, um, we've talked about the physical retailers there now, so a bit of news is after popping up uh, on from the twenty seventh of October, I suppose, is when it's launched across the US. But TikTok have gone into partnership with Shopify. Do I give an explanation of Shopify? Shopify, sorry for anyone listening. Yeah, this is know? this is huge for me. Um, Shopify is basically an e commerce platform. Um. But unlike, I suppose, systems like WooCommerce and things like that, it's full integration. Yeah. So Shopify look after uh, your fulfillment, which they, well, in the US in particular, they look after fulfillment. They invested $1 billion in that last year. Um, they look after your payments. They look after your e-pass system. And they look after your e-commerce. So everything is integrated. Whereas before, you'd be using multiple different systems. And everything was very, very messy, very, very difficult to manage. Um, poor in terms of data synchronization which obviously from our line of work is really really important in terms of um uh, enhancing your digital marketing capabilities and using that data to target consumers and generate more revenue so this is going to be really really exciting um like i mean if you even take so one of the main videos that i've watched recently on tiktok is some of the dancers like which are just incredible like they're really 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 interesting like, explain that one the, the dancers yeah i can't dance because we're on we're on a <laughs> podcast so if, if if only we were on video i dance for all of our listeners <laughs> i'll get a video of that up for anyone listening that's it yeah so but, um but like i mean if you see and again you can see like if you have something and you can see obviously items of clothing and stuff like that and you just have something pop up going by these runners or whatever yeah. the story is quick two clicks done I imagine it'll probably go down the route of what Instagram done where they'll they basically tag the products in the, the content. It'll I would imagine it as so. simple. I would as imagine that. so. You know, yeah. literally just pop up buy now kind of an option or a little uh, button underneath the content buy now or shop now or 
No, shop, shop, shoppable ads, but built into, again, native content. Do you know what I mean? So mm. it's not, they're not ads per se. Like, they are ads, but it's built into the regular content. That well, what they said, they came out and said that basically that merchants uh, will be able to create, run, and optimize their TikTok marketing campaigns directly from the Shopify dashboard. So it's all going to be integrated from the back end, but they're basically going to be able to create, as you said, native, shareable content that turns their products into in-feed video ads that will resonate with the TikTok community, which is, I think is quite important because... There's no point in putting ads up there that are not going to resonate with that community. You, know, you, you have to, you have to fit in almost. I suppose. Yeah, and you know? look, kids these days don't understand what ads are. Yeah, kids yeah. don't. Kid, kids nowadays, Gen Z, haven't watched a TV it's, ad. It's a hindrance to they them. Don't, it's completely, it, yeah. and it was a hindrance to everyone. But we're kind of like a lot of generations are kind of used to it because we were brought up. But it was now they'll switch. Yeah. Even if there is an ad on the TV and they were watching it, they'll just go on their phone. Or if something pops up on YouTube, they're just going, oh, "I'm not interested in that." Um. Like, I mean, a lot of people say, like, you can get uh, Spotify uh, premium and mm-hmm. you can get Spotify pay. And a lot of people say, well, uh, Spotify, um, Spotify, the free one with a load of ads is basically just a product for the technologically illiterate. Because like, yeah. uh, people will pay a tenner a month to opt out of ads. People cannot stand traditional advertising because it interferes with the overall experience. Mm-hmm. And I think Shopify will do a good job with this. Like, I mean, I think, to be honest, which is Shopify... I'm not going to say they're one of Amazon's main competitors, but if there was a company that could challenge them in 10 years' time, I'd be banking on possibly Shopify. I think the main thing that TikTok and Shopify have to do is they have to go into this scenario of TikTok and, as I said, fit in. So, like, I think when you look at the TikTok audience, it basically is a huge untouched audience when it comes, as you said, in terms of ads, that they haven't been touched yet. So if they come in and start ruining that platform, but then, then, then it's dead in the water, yeah. Do you know? So I think they have to be very, very creative when they come in to make sure that they they work on the style of adverts, how it fits in, and that it just it comes in seamlessly. It needs to be seamless. Now, no, one hundred percent. Like I mean, I think that the the advantage that Shopify have is that they've no own brand products from yeah. start. Like with Amazon, again, we talked, we spoke about last week. They look at all the data trends and they create an own brand product and compete with the retailers in that particular space. With Shopify, you really have your own branded space and the platform is just supporting that. So Shopify don't have a marketplace like Amazon do and therefore Shopify are working really, really hard on the ad tools that are available to marketers whereas Amazon are kind of more interested in pushing their own products more so than anything else because obviously they've got access to all that data. And I mean, if you look at some of the stats like Shopify now at the moment is worth 130 billion dollars roughly and last year was the top performing uh, brand in the S&P 500 they were ahead of Nike and Amazon in terms of their overall growth rate so they are really 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 taking this industry um, taking this industry by storm by storm and um, they're going to um, and they, what I was really impressed about them as well is that they've got a really really impressive business model so 50% of their revenue comes from subscriptions uh, for people using the Shopify platform and then you've also got the rest of their revenue coming from things like payments, fulfillments, and so on and so forth. So really, really robust business model in terms of um, in terms of their overall growth strategy. Yeah. I think we're going to get a lot of news like this over the next few weeks. Like you know, we've gotten a good bit of it already in terms of you know um, shops basically up in their ante in terms of social media. But I think that these platforms and these tools are only going to get better over the next couple of weeks because of the move online, shopping online, and yeah, people's yeah. attention being brought out of the physical stores. So. Going back to what even you talked about there with with Cafe Nero and we even talked about with the drones, businesses have to look at how they can adapt and where they can put their brand and where they can put their products to to, to get onto that attention. And look for the trend. Yeah, look for the trend. I think in the market. Like I mean, if I was, I mean, I'll be expect like it's only in North America at the moment. This Shopify um, TikTok integration, but as soon as it comes over this side of the pond, it's one of the first things that I would be experimenting with. Yeah. With the um, with some of the fashion brands in particular that I'd be working with because I think it's a real. A real lucrative opportunity um it kind of as well it kind of opens up the door for the influencer market as a, well another, a new yeah you'll get probably a new wave of them now again mm-hmm. and the thing is with tiktok from what i've seen anyway from using it is it's not it's not as hard maybe as the other platforms to build up a bit of a following especially at the moment because the algorithms yeah. are there and you're your friend so i think you're going to have a new wave of influencers um but a new style of influencers as well maybe not um, not like we had on Instagram. Celebrity, no, no. Not celebrity. celebrity. Yeah, because the thing you're, you're, you know, it's based on your your constant feed the whole time. Like, so you're going to have your little core, maybe a lot more micro influencers, but with big followings. I've thought of a, I've thought of a prediction. All right. Okay. My prediction is that with the 
this advertising platform, the way it's going to go into the future, is that when you're creating a video on TikTok, if you're wearing Nike, for example... Don't give away the secrets, no. Don't give it away on there, right? If we're going to make millions off this... No, 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 no. This is, uh, this is TikTok. TikTok, right. if you are listening, I am the consultant for you. What they should do is they should have a scenario where if someone is creating a TikTok and they've got Nike runners, Nike t-shirts, yeah. Adidas jumper, there should be a way that they can tag the brand into in the actual um, video itself and someone on the other side of that interaction so the the marketer basically will be able to review all of their videos and basically assign them ads based on the products that they have in their videos so then it's completely organic there's yeah. nothing dictated by the brand only that they kind of approve the users that advertise their product so it's entirely an organic and automated it's almost, almost experience like an organic ambassador basically yeah you know, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. next thing nike approves you as an as a nike ambassador yeah that's think, that's kind know. of that's exactly what i'm saying and again it, with a gen z world where a lot of them are about this becoming celebrity and carving out their own niche and i would say that tiktok as a content creator space is absolutely phenomenal some of the creative stuff going on there is what I would say almost better than what we saw in the early days of um, YouTube and mm. um, I think it's really really good really really addictive stuff uh, really really creative stuff but I think um, I think there's an opportunity to monetize that creator market in the same way that YouTube did and that would just again random prediction that could be the way to do it very good very good well we'll see if uh, if uh, TikTok pick up on Sorry. that yeah if anyone's in TikTok call me call me now <laughs> so um, I suppose that's that all the news that we have for this week that's all I have anyway perfect so look I think we might go into this week's focus topic which um, look we're a few days out now from the big US election uh, coming up on the 3rd isn't it the 3rd of November so what are we going to talk about this week Dave I think what we're going to talk about is well, I mean, a little bit on the election maybe but more so about political marketing I think yep. and the different the tricks, the tactics, the way political marketing has evolved over the last, I suppose, well, over a number of years, but over, particularly in the last, since since Trump got elected and you've had Brexit, um, I think a lot of people look at those two elections going, politics has changed, the yeah. way that we advertise to people has changed, the way that we manipulate people has well, changed, how I, we persuade people has changed. Yeah, I think from the other side of things that I think consumers have become um, a lot more sceptical and they know that they're being sold now or some. they know you know some of them but do you know I think it's become more of a thing now that people are expecting the worst out of social media now so like you know we've had a few scenarios where like the social level we've already talked about the film like you know a lot of this is being stemmed from, from documentaries and programs and awareness around this kind of area yeah, I think so, but I think the um, what's interesting about what you just said there is I did a quick search before we came on in terms of the different search terms that have been going into Google over in the US, um, which I found really, really interesting because typically what, what candidates will do is that they will look at what is trending in terms of search terms for elections in um, various different states or different areas, um, or they look at... Um, where what the different sentiment is towards certain topics on social media and again that all geolocated and then when they do their rally or they do their targeted ads it'll be based around something Those so keywords exactly like so for example affordable housing would always be something that would be quite prevalent in the northeast and southwest in the u.s just because again mm. affordable house prices is really really important in that area due to a supply demand issue so what i found very very interesting though is that at a macro level the terms postal voting, vaccine, and interestingly, fact-checking has been some of the top search terms on Google. So people are now actually, when they hear, I presume Donald Trump speak, they are actually actively going looking for fact-checkers <laughs> and seeing the truth, yeah. What is the truth? Um, in terms of what's actually being said. So, I mean, again, now, in the grand scheme of things, it's a very, very small court of consumers still, or a small court of voters, but um, it's just an interesting trend that I thought based on based on last time round. Mm. Well, I think look, as we kind of touch on a little bit there, like you know, we've had probably social now around for what about fifteen years now, yeah, and it's changed. Like you know, social media is meant to be for you know, as we would always say, it's meant to be social, but it's meant to be there for people to connect with one another. You know, we, and it's we can all probably agree that over the last few years, as we've we talked about in terms of marketing, it's gotten more uses. You know, and it's gotten more of a tool for people to use. So definitely, when it comes to politics, they're they're right up there in terms of using social to get at their audience. Yeah, but it's also disc like so. It's also um, 
so there's a phrase that we use in marketing called um, uh, linking value, which is basically if you look at um, some sort of uh, familiar characteristics um, or beliefs that people would have towards a certain brand, political party and so on and so forth, then those people tend to coalesce in social media and they interact with each other in generally a positive way. I think what we've seen recently, though, is almost a form of delinking value, whereby people more and more are going onto social media to identify someone who has an opposite opinion of them and attack them. Yeah. And I think that's something that, for Trump in particular, Especially has been a very, yeah. very powerful marketing tool. Um, marketing tool for him. Like I don't know. Have you ever uh, seen the Netflix documentary uh, "Get Me Roger Stone"? Brilliant. Yeah, really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good insight into that world. You know, obviously from that point of view. But I, thought, I thought it was a great insight. Um, for anyone that hasn't seen it, basically Roger Stone. <laughs> To, to me, I didn't realise he's been there for years. He's been there oh, yeah. involved in so many com- campaigns. Um, going back to, to, I think his first one was Nixon, if I'm right. If I can remember, he's basically a big Nixon fan. He's yeah. collects memorabilia, has a Nixon tattoo. But he's gone Nixon, he's gone Reagan. He, I think he was involved in Bush, uh, George W. Bush Jr. was one of the campaigns. And then obviously on to Mr. Trump then as well. But he, he's been... Pushing he's kind Mr. of a Trump acolyte though isn't he really he's yeah. been pushing him to go for the last like 20 years since, or something. since Trump was very young he's been pushing him to go for, for the presidency for very young and then came in in 2016 I just found here so basically he resigned in August 2015 although Trump said he'd been fired uh, but <laughs> just the stone says he he he, uh, he stepped down but yeah so he was there but basically now he's kind of seen as a, an outside advisor basically he's not officially part of the campaign He's, um, the sh- he's the shadow, he's the puppet master. Puppet, he's pulling um, the strings. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like he's, he's the, he's the Amer- oh, no, I won't say that actually. Don't um, get us in trouble. Yeah, I won't get you in trouble. <laughs> no, I won't. I, I thought about, I thought, and the listeners know if he thought about it, it must have been bad. But it's no. interesting. Joe's nickname is? No, go on. Rat fucker. That's what they call him. I wasn't quick enough with the bleep there. No, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that when you think about, you know, American, the old American speeches of all presidents going back for years, it's all about democracy and Joe America the land of the free and so on and so forth and I actually came across this quote from Roger Stone where he said politics is not about unifying people it's about dividing people and I think that really really emphasizes the kind of attitude that he has towards politics and he's always had it but in a social media world someone like him just comes to the absolute fore and like I mean the there's a great there's a great quote from um Game of Thrones actually which is that um, uh, he burned the world to the ground so he could be king of the ashes mm. and that is essentially what Roger Stone does he basically has no regard for things like racism um, xenophobia homophobia he will just antagonise every single cards needs to be pulled absolutely yeah. everything like I mean there was one I'm just looking at it earlier on and, uh, the, in terms of the um, the documentary um, so when Bush was um, the, the recount vote in, t- in 2000 yeah. when Al Gore um, was challenging George W. Bush he, or- he orchestrated a riot at the polling station where the recount was That's actually right, taking yeah, place to, to distract it and to, to get it done again or whatever it was yeah, yeah. of course he would like he, he has a lobbying group for a load of uh, genocidal dictators um, he created a lot of conspiracy theories around the Clintons and I'm not talking about the emails he said that Bill Clinton was a serial racist and had uh, fathered a bastard child um, Lo- loads of stuff loads of stuff he's involved in WikiLeaks um, some of this stuff is absolutely is absolutely but incredible I, I think one thing that I've seen so so he, it's mentioned a good bit throughout the, throughout the documentary but basically in 2018 he brought out this book called uh, How to Win a Politics Business and Style and it was basically a book full it was almost you know the book um uh, the Art of War by um, oh, Sun, Sun Tzu, Sun, yeah, Sun Tzu. Yeah. yeah yeah so it was basically that kind of style where he had like over a hundred different types of rules but one of them was hate is stronger motivator than love and basically he goes on as you say he goes on the attack of the opposition and you can see that in this in the documentary he had very kind of dirty tactics in doing this so so basically rule 47 was the big lie te- technique right. and if you can actually trace this back um back to, to Nazis and propaganda and Hitler and all that that they used the kind of the big lie tactic and it was, it was one of Joseph, one of Joseph Goebbels' um, main yeah. strategy what was it the dire- director of propaganda wasn't the, it? The, the minister of propaganda <laughs> the minister yeah. of propaganda and public enlightenment I <laughs> but he so basically it's this whole idea of creating a, a tactic that's you know a lie that's maybe so bold and massive and you know and very literally nasty but it will eventually it'll take on a life of its own that if it's you know repeated so much and you know it could almost become even like Chinese whispers or something you know that it just takes legs of its own and what it does and is I think in those things is that it, it normalises hate and normalises 
the absolute wild. Um, mm. like so, he was also behind the Obama birther conspiracy. That's what, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah, he pushed Trump. He come out. He he stated that he he didn't give Trump the idea, but he basically encouraged him to to, to go with it. Like so, he's not saying he came up with the initial like, concept of it. But yeah, that was definitely a a classic um case of this kind of you know. Like, can uh, you imagine in America twenty? Whatever, whatever year it was, because um, it wasn't the last election; it was the one before that, and Trump was getting involved in it, but he wasn't actually running. But I mean, can you imagine questioning a sitting president's nationality purely based on the color, the color of his skin? Mm. And this was like news; like this yeah. was on fire. This was everywhere, and that's what I'm saying: is it kind of normalizes this very negative and confrontational rhetoric and what it constructs is a very very kind of visceral um image of what we refer in kind of academic terms as the other the people over there the people who aren't like me and if you do that and you create hate amongst those people not only does it make them vote a certain way but it actually encourages them to vote in the first place because it's it becomes a competition it's getting something over something else because they're getting more than me and that's a very and again his 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 quote there about um about hate being stronger than love you can see that come to life and I think what like like okay and anyone who's been listening to this podcast will know that like I would not be a fan of this guy but as a marketer very very effective like I mean he calls himself um, an agent provocateur which basically is a, the definition of that is someone who persuades uh, someone to do wrong mm. and that that's exactly what he does but he's very very good at understanding People his audience and, and people yeah. and finding the right buttons to press but at a scale mm. that basically sways like elections the, the, the anti-marketer kind of the anti, yeah it's a very it's a very now again I think that's important to always look at when we're talking about political marketing is looking at these dirty tricks that go on because it's not like oh this guy is in the background and he's part of a fringe party thing, this guy helped Trump get elected he, through he, these tactics he's in the background but he's not it's funny like you know he's he's as we said he's pulling the strings but unless you're kind of getting getting you know look into it and look into the back end of it, who's actually involved with campaigns you're seeing Trump out front but a lot of this is being pushed working in the shadows you know working in the shadows like the puppet master at the yeah, side or whatever 100%. you know so I, I think it is very very clever but then if you look at the next level of that again you know we're talking about hatred being fueled and being uh, spread widely that's when social media kicks in then and that's what's probably even generated his job sorry made his job even better you know um, in terms of when all this um, content is being spread out and we've talked about before in terms of algorithms but that's all the content that's being pushed out from mass gatherings all over different parts of America rallies or, or yeah polarities. there's loads of academic studies which on the riots have been caused by posts put up on social media be mm. they lies or be they viral content of something that people have misinterpreted or something that, that people just shouldn't have in front of their screens at a particular moment in time because it is antagonistic and that's what look, look we've been saying for the last couple of weeks but like I mean like Facebook is absolutely criminal of doing that because again they're their content the more hateful it is the more immersed someone is the more it resonates with them the more engaged they are the more clicks they get in their ads mm-hmm. and that's what it comes down to and I think I mean this is where Facebook shoulder a huge amount of responsibility if you take the New York Times if someone put an ad in the New York Times and it was an overtly racist ad or it was a racist piece of content they have screening there to say no that's of course we're not going to publish that Facebook because they present themselves as something that isn't a media channel they say oh no that's nothing to do with us where if we if we block that then we're infringing upon free speech it is nothing to do with free speech they are a platform they are a business if someone walked into a Burger King in the morning and started um, shouting racial slurs they would be rightly fucked out of that premises Facebook is the same. It's a business. Just because it's a very, very big business and it's it's over billions of people doesn't mean that they do not have a responsibility to society to then control that piece of content. And I think what's interesting is Jack Dorsey, who's the part-time CEO of, um, of Twitter, has really been, um, I suppose, leveraging the amount of bad publicity that Facebook have got because of this stuff. And they're really now pushing the anti-hate speech there uh, monitoring Donald Trump's tweets see, they've even, got a fact checker on it all this kind of stuff what you're saying there that they are pushing do you know they have control over what content you literally just said it there all, these yeah. guys can push a button to give us what content we they think we should be consuming correct do you know and, and that can become very dangerous like if you look at America there's 
over 70% of the US population hold a social media account. You know, you're talking eight out of 10 Americans with the most popular being Facebook. It says 43% of, of US adults would get their news from Facebook. Yeah. Like, is that a reliable source now going on what you said? Well, it's a rel- well, no, it, it depends. See, Facebook is a, dis- a f- it's a distribution tool. Yeah, you're getting it from the brands, but the thing is, it, Facebook is pushing the brands to you. Correct, and if you look, there was actually a study done a number of years ago, and I actually, because you just brought this up, no, I can't remember the exact, the exact, um, the exact stats around it, but I think it was that if you take legitimate news sites, about 8 to 15% of all of their clicks come directly through Facebook. If you take fake news media sites, it's about 70%. So Facebook is a more important tool for face for uh, fake news sites than it is for legitimate sites because again of that hate and it's a way of of them to get this content out to people we said it there last week when we were talking about the the party new zealand who have one percent support overall but they have over they have i think is uh, 20 million um more engagements on their facebook content than all the other mainstream parties yeah. combined and they've only one percent support that's what these platforms need to look at. And again, I was just looking at, before we came on, I was just doing a little bit of research because so I was like, it's on Facebook, I've done nothing to stop any of this stuff. And again, just look at the the rhetoric that Facebook come out with when they release press releases and stuff like that. That like that, They said they're putting in place emergency measures within their algorithm to suppress the virality of dangerous content. Not remove, not eliminate, suppress it. And again, this is content that people have died over. It's in, it's instigated riots. This is serious stuff, and Facebook just don't take it seriously. Um, like, are you seriously telling me that a company with the value of Facebook and who have created one of the most manipulative, most powerful, most complex advertising tools in the world ever are not able to identify via all their resources and technology hate speech or racism? Or any of that kind of content and remove it immediately. It's mm-hmm. nonsense. It is. It is. Well, like even if you look at so we talk about news there, Facebook users spend this is a stat I found about an average thirty eight minutes on Facebook each day, and with overall um, people spend about two hours twenty four minutes across all social media, not just Facebook. So you think about you on a day to day basis. Are you spending forty minutes to an hour? listening to BBC News or, you know, listening to RT or it's whatever. Very, you know, a very, very good point. You're, you're literally point. engrossed in Facebook for 40 minutes and you're just being, you, you think you're just looking at, you know, pictures of cats and friends videos and all this kind of stuff. I do like pictures <laughs> of cats. I do like and the dogs that jump up and down and dance. That's it, yeah. But in between each one of those, you're getting fed a piece of content that's probably politically motivated. Probably politically motivated, um, particularly around this time of year. Um, if you're a susceptible voter, and again, Facebook's targeting tools allow you to target people who are kind of on the margins, but you know, maybe a little bit fucking you know, leaning a certain direction sort of way to convince you to go out and vote. And if you look at Brexit, for example, the, the main campaign or the main tool that they used to push people in the middle was this stuff about Turkey and them all coming into the UK and... Um, and you know they have Sharia law and all this type of stuff absolute and utter nonsense but they knew what button, buttons to press and target that sliver of the population who would be manipulated by that content and that's how you get your votes over the line elections are always won the middle you're going to have the left you're going to have the right you're going to have yes you're going to have no they're always won in the middle and if you have the ability to use certain tactics to get to target certain individuals then you have a very, very powerful tool on your hands. And there's another film, actually, that you were telling me about in relation to Brexit. What was that? Oh, the one with Benny Cum- Yeah, Brexit. It was called the... I'll find the name of it. It was called Brexit. Did they have, a, me- did they have a meeting about what to, what to call what the film? They know keywords to use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Brexit, the uncivil war. Yeah, it came out in 2019, Benny Cumberbatch. It was actually commissioned by uh, Channel 4 to, oh. to go and create it. But it was actually really, really good. And it's looking, at, uh, it's looking from the eyes of... Um, Dominic Cummings, who is basically a political strategist as well, you know, very similar to Roger Stone, but maybe, yeah. I don't know, will I say, you know, as not as nasty, not as nasty, not as, nasty. Maybe, not as public even, you yeah. know, as, as Roger Stone would be. But um, he was on the Vote Leave campaign and he basically strategized that, but using a company we haven't, I'm surprised we've gotten this far and haven't mentioned uh, Cambridge Analytica. Cambridge, yeah. Do you know, um, he, he basically utilized all that data and all that and, and Facebook and, and, you know, was able to target the customers or sorry the consumers 
exactly where he needed to target them and it's not just it and again it's important here to realize that it's not just the technology like it's it's the thought process that goes into like it's all like the, the technology allows you to target people based on certain behaviors and you can find out what they're searching for what motivates them whether they're listening to podcasts whether they're reading blog you can find all that but behind all of that there is a very very manipulative marketer like a roger stone or whatever you want to call it, and it is it is ultimately yeah. marketing um who have you can call it creativity depending on what yeah. way you want to call it to manipulate and use um, very very polarizing content to twist the psyche and the thought process of individuals to allow to enable them to vote in a certain way or to convince them or persuade them to vote in a certain way so no it's frightening I and mean, we don't want to go too techy today but I think it's just interesting I find it fascinating looking at the shadowy characters pulling the strings behind the scenes and it's never really the politicians it's always the marketing people the public relations guys um, the strategists whatever you want to call them well when you look at the, the, get, the get me roger stone documentary i mean, highly recommend it to go and watch it especially uh, at the moment with the election coming up but when you look at the camp or the even the personalities or the way that they deliver speeches or the way they do interviews if you look at the nixon reagan trump there's, you can start to see after I watched the documentary you can start to see a lot of similarities between all these kind of campaigns and how they how they used um, marketing obviously back then a lot more traditional marketing but how they how they integrated each one very very similarly he kind of knows he was pulling the message the messages stay very similar yeah. but how the, 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 the how would you call it the medium through which that message is communicated probably changes a bit um, another Netflix documentary going on exactly that point that, that you made and I don't really want to go into that much detail on it, but um, is the film 13th on Netflix, where it talks about black incarceration rates based on um, the 13th Amendment in the, in the United mm. States. And it goes through every single election cycle. And when presidents or uh, presidents-elect or candidates are starting to talk about crime, it's very, very interesting the kind of narrative words that they're saying. And ultimately, this does result in... It, like these are These are societally... Um, impactful things that people are saying it's not just words and I think that's I think that's what I find very very fascinating about political marketing like when you're talking about Joe and Nike or we're talking about, we've mentioned Brew Dog a few times and you're talking about how can I get a consumer to buy a product whereas when you're on in politics how can I get people to vote a certain yeah. way so that I can change the world yeah. and a lot of that is 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 heavily orchestrated manipulation and it's fascinating to actually analyse it and understand it. But I think whether you whether you believe in him or not or you thought he was good or he's bad, whatever, doesn't really matter. But if you look at the first one to probably use social property for the United States, now we won't you know not mention Ireland or England, but um, for the United States was Barack Obama. He was the yeah. first one to, to properly take on board um, uh, social media and he actually explains it very very well and we, geez, we're giving Netflix loads of plugs today yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a great doc or interview with himself and David Letterman on, on Netflix just as an FYE we don't just take our content from Netflix we just sit we do, Netflix yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we've nothing else to do it's lockdown yeah. and but, no one matching me on Facebook dating <laughs> but he, he talks about how they how they hired in both hired and got volunteers in uh, younger straight out of college students basically that understood how social media worked mm. and they created content to to target to consumers because they knew what as we talked about already whether it's you know TikTok ads going out they understand the audience that they're marketing and that would have been the age of organic as well really wouldn't it oh, where it was all organic yeah, yeah, it wasn't that much like I, I, just, I, I found a stat there when I was looking for stuff there during the week um, last year now this is obviously not just political this is all advertising but social media advertisers in the US last year spent 36 uh, nearly 37 billion on social media advertising oh it's serious money like you know 37 they, billion seems a lot yeah but almost too much no, um, you'd be surprised like you know yeah um, but that, but that's the kind of money that has been pumped into this just this platform you know a couple of you know you're talking about five six seven platforms like you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. five six seven mediums like even you know just serious money being pumped into these these platforms yeah yeah when you check that stat, that seems like an abnormally high figure. Well, my my sources are reliable. Who <laughs> Roger, Sto- Roger Stone. Mr. Stone from the United States of America? But you actually mentioned it there. I'm going to go in terms of like messaging and how things change. Another thing that I think is is really interesting is like one of the the oldest and most historical kind of events that happen in politics is the debate, and I think the how debates are now constructed and analysed has totally changed because of social media because you could 
The debate is no longer about the policies or it's no longer about what you're actually going to do. It's two things. It's one, who actually won the debate, mm. who was the more ferocious or masculine or whatever the, whatever phrase you want to use, who actually won and who was the most aggressive in that debate. And secondly, even if you have a terrible debate overall, but you have one soundbite that can appear on a 15-second yeah. TikTok or it can go viral on Biden confuses on Trump. Trump trashes Biden whatever it is gone know. all of a sudden you've won the debate on social media even though you've lost the debate and Trump overall. has been doing that over the last few like so you'll see if you go on if you follow him um, on social the next day his team are pumping out that content yeah. you know they're pumping out these little 30 second uh, out of context kind of clips you always know, out of context sometimes know. they're edited yeah. and you can't even tell unless you've watched the overall debate you know what I mean it's very again very manipulative and again it shouldn't be allowed like, it's coming can't. from both sides like you know it's not just one like, oh, that's is, as yeah. you said like you know it's, it's all sides of it it's what they have to do to play the game but um, you mentioned the two of but them that, now, so. you, actually, you actually just described it there like and that's the problem it's now a game yeah. as opposed to talking about politics democracy how the world is run how the world works um, the real impact on people it's now I can go back to your the art of war it is now all seen as a game, essentially. Game do you know what I mean? Which game. is, and again, look, th- look, that is what it is. But again, even the fact that we would describe something so serious as being a game um, is very, it's, it's, it's worrying. But that's how we look at these things. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think like when you look at that that um, get me Roger Stone documentary, like you know, that's what he's doing. He, you can literally get it off him that he is playing a game. Oh yeah, um, you know, he, there's actually I just came across it there. There's there's another one of his rules there, number sixty, that sometimes you've got to turn chicken shit into chicken salad. <laughs> Delightful. <laughs> but he also has one there that says white shirt plus tan face equals confidence. And sound familiar? <laughs> was a little bit alright, yeah, yeah. That'd be slightly different over an Ireland bald and beer belly equals confidence and pale face. Pale face, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So coming up to Fa- as we Fa- farmers tan, farmers tan, yeah. We're coming up to the last couple of days, as we already mentioned now, uh, into the election final run, I suppose. Uh, what way do you think it's going to go or should I ask I de- well I ho- look Americans you made the mistake once don't make the mistake again <laughs> I know you have this awful ability of going you know, starting wars and interfering with other countries affairs and all this type of thing and there's justifications for some of the behaviour that you engage in there is no credible way that you can look at that man and say that's the man that I want representing me on a, glo- on a global scale, <laughs> holding the nuclear button. He's a more like I'm convinced. Like presidents of the United States need to be dignified. That's their main role because they are kind of seen as I don't want to say leaders of the world, but you always hear like we don't hear from like if you take to the other superpowers, um, uh, China for example, you never really hear anything coming out of China. They're very very insular. Whereas the United States still see themselves as that global superpower and as that kind of leader in many ways. Um, and I think that dignity in that regard is really, really important um, and that kind of for global security and so on and so forth. And I think that anyone redneck who votes for that man, like if they vote him in again, America, hang your heads in absolute shame. Like it's an absolute disgrace. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> also, tell you, I'm telling you now. Like the, the um, the the main cohort they were saying last time around because they wouldn't usually vote was uneducated white men, and that's not that's not a slur. That was the main cohort that got Trump over the line in a lot of the swing states last time around. I think that last time around there was two things happened. I think one, Hillary, no one liked her. I think she came across incredibly disingenuous. No one knew what her policies were. Um, and unfortunately, she's also a woman. And again, th- that's just an unfortunate uh, thing in US politics. If you are a woman, it's going to be more difficult for you to get elected. Um, so those three things combined with the absolute hate and kind of that swelling of support for people who wouldn't usually probably vote on the Trump side, I think those two things combined is after um, meant that Trump ultimately got elected. I think that on this occasion, and it seems as if there's going to be quite a high voting turnout, a lot of people who would have been had a bit of apathy towards Clinton the last time are now going to vote for Biden 
just on the basis that he's not Trump. Mm. Biden has not been that well, impressive, but he's there, not Trump. I saw a stat there that was uh, more than 150 million people are forecast to, to cast a ballot this year, which is 60, which is 65% of the eligible the voters, which is the highest since 1908, which is absolutely huge. And I mean, there's only one thing, I mean, there's only one thing that would define that, and that is, like, I mean, Trump had all his elect- his, his support the last time around I as well, I don't think right? COVID's kind of helped in this way because it's been um, the early voting thing out in America. Has That's interesting. Well, which, you know, I don't think that really is going to help him, you know, because also people have voted, you know, straight away and they have a long time coming up to the campaign, so he could... You could mess up a couple of things in between. Oh, there, you know? I don't on the United States. Like even the I saw uh, something on Twitter there the other day where there was a guy at a polling station, a, an officer armed with um, a rifle and a handgun, um, and he had a mask with "Vote Trump" on it. This is an That's officer, right, a police yeah. officer. This is someone who's meant to be a protect, yeah, impartial protector of the state, protector of people, and going around with a gun. That's intim. That's voter intimidation. Do you know what I mean? And again, that's like America's fucking basket case and that kind of stuff like I mean again I almost say Ireland's always a bit of a utopia in many ways like because our politicians are all pretty much the same in many ways <laughs> we've kind of a steady state in that regard we don't have any scorpions and we don't have any hurricanes so it's a nice steady <laughs> state in country, terms of the way things are going like nothing ever too drastic happens but you look at some of the stuff going on in the United States and you're like my god like, I think another thing that's interesting is the last time around when he was going for election if you remember there was a few little I was going to say um, bloopers he had on Twitter and they actually had to end up taking it off him mm. he hasn't been as vocal as he would have been back then I think you know in terms of the outrageous really really outrageous stuff in the last couple of weeks now I'm just saying like, yeah you know, yeah yeah no I think I think what's interesting and this is what a lot of people who I've seen are worried about is that does he concede the presidency and does he concede that he lost the election or will he throw in this voter fraud and that's again battle it to the end all of of that and if that goes in then you're going to have a massive part of America really really angry hurting rioting and with the Black Lives Matter stuff that just happened recently enough like America is a bit of a melting pot at the moment Um, and you've got the anti-maskers in there as well like I saw again going back to no no scorpions no hurricanes um uh, no Trump if you have the uh, if you look um, there was something in Florida there was a rally and there was a load of guys with anti-mask um, anti-mask uh, banners hanging out the back of their pickup trucks now we have anti-maskers um, in Ireland as well but these guys had shotguns and they were shooting them out their yeah, windows and it's like down the street and mother of God like, it's a different on. different ball game entirely do you know what I mean so look let's um Look, let's see what um, look, let's see what happens. But I really hope Biden gets elected. I hope Biden gets elected. We finish up just on a quick reminder there of your brilliant campaign that you talked about a while ago. For anyone listening, we'll again. come up with a hashtag. We don't have it yet. What do we call it? We come up with it now. Come, oh, don't put me on the spot like that. Come on, off you go. Uh, gift of voucher is a bit boring. That's isn't a bit it? boring. Look, I tell you what, we we'll, we'll put up something. Uh, we come up with a hashtag in the next couple of days and uh, we might see if we can get a bit of support rallied around maybe local and national businesses that need a bit of help at this time and uh, any suggestions are more than welcome or ways that you can get involved are more than welcome so uh, thanks for everyone uh, for listening to another episode and I would imagine by the next time the next podcast is out uh, the, president, uh, the American might have a new president we'll see yeah, how it is you know, they're saying voting might, vote counting might take a long time so let's see we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes thanks very much everyone for listening uh, follow us on social media subscribe to us uh, keep up to date and we'll talk to you again next week take care I thought that was relatively okay we didn't actually I thought it wasn't too bad it didn't insult too many <laughs> it didn't insult too many people I thought it would be a lot worse out to be honest with you take care everyone bye